Hello, beautiful listeners. Nathan here. Just wanted to let you guys know that you may have noticed at the beginning of this episode, we call the podcast the definitive list of everything ever. Also, the title has changed. That is because the quest for the best, uh, apparently everyone had the same idea we did, which means great minds think alike and also means we don't know how to use Google. So for the next handful of episodes, I may intro the show with welcome to the quest for the best and then say something not funny, but the actual name of the show is definitely the definitive list of everything ever, colon, Disney edition, until we Google that and find someone else took that too. So enough of me talking, just wanted to let you know, enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the quest for the best, colon, Disney edition, colon, season one, colon. I'm your host, Nathan. With me... We have a part human, part cyborg, part fish with a lot of chins. That's right. It's James. Does that make me Long John Silver? Yeah. That, okay. I mean, but where the cyborg? He looks kind of like a fish. Okay. He does. He looks like he's a moist creature. Speaking of moist like creatures. Don't uh, you we dare. Have, <laughs> we have a genetically engineered little monster with no kindness inside of him and nothing but terror and obnoxiousness. It's Derek. People love me and you know it. Mom, they do it at the end of the movie after you destroy their house. <laughs> hey, I got some fun out of it and people love me. <laughs> yeah. We took a quiz this week and it was literally the worst quiz we've taken on this show. It says, are you more Lilo or Stitch. So you have two options, and that's it. So it's like the stupidest quiz of all time. I'm Stitch. I'm I am mischievous, lively, and a little rambunctious. Once people get to know the real, in italics, you, they love you and welcome you as part of the family. Spoiler. Which makes no sense, because I picked every single water-related question in the quiz, and there is a plot point that Stitch can't swim. So, this quiz is bunk. Who did you guys get out of the two options? <clears throat> Lilo. Lilo. What does it say about Lilo? Is this a spoiler? We are sweet, loving, and creative. Thrive on adventure. Gravitate towards people with similar interests, clearly. And we embody the aloha spirit. Aloha. What the frick is the point of this? What is the point of life when these types of quizzes exist that have no... <laughs> People wasted their time making this on Oh My Disney. And I bet somebody was just really excited. Oh my gosh, I'm Stitch. I knew I was always a Stitch. And they posted it on Facebook with the share button. And Nathan, I expect you to do it tonight. Hell no. On your I, Facebook. I don't give a crap about this. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. We're going to put the link, maybe, maybe not this week because this quiz is so bad, in the title of the pod, the body of the podcast. So you too can find out if you're more Lilo or Stitch because, you know, your life is unfulfilled until that pressing question is resolved. <sighs> anyway, DuckTales came out this week. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Haven't I'm watched it yet. A bit. I don't <laughs> care. If we actually release these on time, we could, like, have something to talk about at the beginning of the show that's Disney-related. Mm. That is true. He's pulling all their stuff from Netflix. They are? Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I bet that must have been annoying. Well, it's not, going... not until the end of next year. By the time people <laughs> by the time people hear this. Like, <laughs> by the end of 2018? Mm-hmm. Well, this will so, be yeah, then. Uh, no, okay. Okay, if you're listening... Tell us if this is actually up before then by posting. 
on our web zone or whatever or tweeting us and saying, yeah, it's 2047 and Derek finally posted episode whatever this is. Tweet us with hashtag gosh dang it, Derek. Tweet it with hashtag I'm Stitch and share us your quiz results because I really, really care what your random stupid person <laughs> quiz results is <laughs> that I would like you to know out of the two possible options. Speaking of Lilo and Stitch, Disney released two movies in 2002, both are rated PG because they're edgelords now. This is like their edgy phase. They had Atlantis, which was PG. That was not 2002, but that was last week, which is currently at the top of the list because it's the best movie ever made. And then in 2002, they released Lilo and Stitch first in June and Treasure Planet in November. And we're going to talk about those two this week because so this is a single year in time. And Disney were overambitious and released a pretty dang good movie and a pretty okay one, I guess. Mm. Sort of. He probably should have spread that out a bit. Yeah, well. Treasure Planet had been in production since the dawn of time, so I guess they... Yeah. Figured just throw that sucker out as fast as possible so that it was the one that Clements can finally shut up about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that year for them was like they published movies the way I publish podcasts. Well, it's finally done. All right, put it up. We just put one up this week. Don't care. Do it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was so the Atlantis was last one last week, so now it's like after Atlantis was Stitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought Treasure Planet and Last were back to back to back, but that's probably just because I'm dumb. That's what so, I thought. Lilo and Stitch is a movie about an alien creature that was genetically created by like a weird German Russian. His accent kept changing mm-hmm. in space, and he was supposed to be like the ultimate terrible monster that was just destructive and indestructible, and he gets. He escapes and goes to Earth and lands in Hawaii where a girl named Lilo thinks he's a dog, <laughs> the ugliest dog of all time, and adopts The worst him. dog. And his, mm. her sister, and meanwhile, her sister Nanny is trying to make sure she can keep guardianship over her. And then shenanigans happen and they learn the true Aloha Mohana spirit. And then the movie ends. Also, there's a transgender alien, sort of. <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Also, the we'll get to that. <laughs> also, there's another alien that wait. I can't remember what happens in this movie with the <laughs> aliens. Probably because it's like the least important part of the movie. But anyway, Lilo and Stitch. They had a very aggressive marketing campaign, and that's what I remember about this they had movie. An excellent marketing campaign, yeah. I thought it paid like, off. It like really putting did. Lilo in like other Disney movies, rooting mm-hmm. them. Which I, I haven't watched those all again. On this watch, they still hold up pretty well. Yeah, they're nothing like the movie. I they're went nothing like the hilarious movie. comedic romp, and instead was like emotionally devastated at how horrible these, how unfortunate Nani's life is, and like how yes. rough they are. And the yep. Stitch thing is like a non-element throughout most of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ads are funny. If you're listening now in 2058 when Derek finally posted this, go on. <laughs> 2.0 or whatever it's called and watch it well they're Unless- fun to be watching right after we just saw all those other films because they got back the voice actors for the trailers it looks the same as it did in the movies i think it's really fun actually to watch that that's probably my favorite part of this entire rewatch was watching those ads again so first impressions based on who you know the, the usual who do i usually pick james first don't i mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
So I'm going to pick James first. James, go. <laughs> I've seen this movie once before. I think both times I expected to like it more than I did, probably because of the marketing. I kept assuming that it was going to be more comedic, and it's not. I love a lot of aspects of this film. I think there's some things that kind of drive me crazy, but it's more of a personal thing than it actually being a movie. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. Derek? Yeah, so Lilo and Stitch was a movie that I'd only ever seen once before this, and that was well after it had come out. I remember a lot of people, especially when I was going to college for the first time, making a big deal out of it and really enjoying it. I, I heard a lot of the catchphrase, Ohana means family, always. But I hadn't watched it at the time because this was around the time that I stopped watching Disney movies as soon as they came out. And so it wasn't until years later, and yeah, I was surprised by this movie, but I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I mean, I thought it was going to be just sort of subpar, but it turned out to be actually really, really good. Yeah, I also skipped it, and I remember I watched it a few months, maybe a year or so after it came out. I don't remember much about that initial watch, except I thought it was okay. Rewatching it, I initially was like, I don't know, because like the alien stuff at the beginning kind of turned me off. But as the movie went on, I'm not. I guess I could save it for the good stuff. I really liked this movie, like really liked it, with one big exception, which is the entire third act. But <laughs> first and second acts of this movie are so well done; they just don't feel like a Disney movie to me. And I was so pleasantly surprised. And I can understand why people would have a different impression because, like James said. When I first time I watched the movie, I based my entire interpretation off their marketing, which was clever and funny, and the movie is not like the marketing at all. It's almost deceptive in how it's not a goofy Emperor's New Roof style comedy at all. But I still felt rewatching it and being kind of distanced from that because I didn't. I made sure I didn't watch them before, so I wouldn't get a bad impression. I watched them afterwards. The commercials. I enjoyed the film quite a bit, and I will further expound on that i guess in closing remarks and the, the upcoming remarks i guess as a preface to the good stuff have any of you been to hawaii no i have not my younger brother's been to hawaii i can't remember if my parents went i think they went to pick him up from there but yeah no i haven't been okay so i'm the only one that's been to hawaii on this podcast okay yep. mm -hmm. is great just for the record okay i was just curious because there's definitely a lot of authentic hawaiian things i feel in this film that kind of are encapsulated i mean i was a tourist so i don't like know what it's like to live there mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things that i feel encapsulated that what i saw in terms of like culture and and stuff that i felt they did really good apparently the original draft of this film took place in kansas what are you serious yeah oh i get it because superman i thought you were gonna say snow dogs i, I thought you were yeah hey yeah. snow dogs uh, i bought your bingo cards and check it off <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, is it like a Wizard of Oz parody or, or connection? Mm. But, yeah, I don't, Maybe. I don't know. F Kansas. If you're listening and you're in Kansas, go to a better state. <laughs> Guess what's getting edited out? <laughs> not that. Okay, so okay, so it's not in Kansas. I think it being in Hawaii is one of its strengths. Yeah, I agree. What I liked about yeah. it, and I mean, granted, I've never been a tourist in Hawaii, but... I like seeing a story told in a place where the most I've heard I'd heard about Hawaii was from the point of view of a tourist, you know? So like everything I knew about Hawaii had been from oh, I was on vacation in Hawaii, that's what people with money do kind of thing as opposed to hey, I'm 
My family's People's been living there. here. <laughs> yeah, my family's been living here for centuries. This is my home. I think the location works really well with the art style. I love the backgrounds in this film. And I think they did like watercolors for this. I think everything that the, that's not in space looks really good. Yeah, the Hawaiian stuff looks amazing. I think they really encapsulated kind of that free spirit. I think it looks great. Yeah, I it was surprised at how good this movie looked. And I think it meshes well with their character stylings as well, mm-hmm. which I also really, really liked. The design of the main characters, mm-hmm. the human characters in particular, yeah. I thought worked out really well. Yeah, the art is, I love when, you know, animated movies go a little classical. There's just something really nice and artistic about setting the background as a water painting i mean Grant, i think they hadn't done that for years right like the last one was dumbo or something it had, yeah it had they said time. that they yeah i was reading that yeah it was well they were trying to make a smaller scale story like dumbo that made that didn't cost as much from what i was mm-hmm. reading because dumbo is really cheap and a high return and so this movie was supposed to be cheap and easy to make before treasure planet came out it was like a which stop was not cheap. Right. yeah i know which right yeah and i mean granted there aren't as many things that you can do with it like you can't have much of a moving background if you do that and there's something Mm -hmm. that i like to do with old animation it really stuck out when i was watching fox and the hound where you would know which boulder was about to fall because it was the one that was at that was drawn the way the characters were and not painted like it Mm -hmm. became it was painfully obvious which you know it's kind of unavoidable in some ways but still i like to see a little more artist artistry in the painting coming out i think the highest compliment i can give it is some of the backgrounds reminded me of ghibli films Mm -hmm. like they had a level they had a level of like there are parts when they're like in the house and like there are angles and shots that looked like ghibli and it was Mm -hmm. really good looking and i was like wow this is a a phenomenally well executed film for being the budget one (laughs) that year yes and the cg didn't like the other movie we watched this week i had problems with the cg use Mm -hmm. it never really bothered me in this one it was done such a cartoony way that it actually kind of fit yeah i felt like the spaceships yeah they they were brightly colored so they weren't trying to be serious. So they're like brightly colored and goofy looking, and I thought it made the CG less noticeable. Yeah. yeah. The CG was being used for the spaceships. They're meant to be otherworldly. They're meant to be, they're not of this world. So it kind of, I kind of feel like it fits to have that be the thing that, the things that stand out from the rest of the animation. Yeah. And they're only in like the first and the third acts, really. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Art was great. I love the soundtrack to this movie. I'm not huge on the whole Elvis integration i don't know if that's a i honestly don't know if that's a cultural thing for that particular island they live on i can't remember the island but it's not the one i visited i have no idea if elvis is like a cultural thing in hawaii to be quite honest i like seeing a quirk of lilo i don't know if i like it i think i agree with you i'm not sure if i like the incorporation but i think it gave lilo some (laughs) character see i think i'm the the other way around where i i liked that it, it made it richness and uniqueness to the soundtrack that made it way different from other disney films mm-hmm. but i did not like how it was incorporated into lilo's character or in stitch's mm-hmm. character i liked it with lilo but like stitch dressing up as elvis and i i thought that oh, was oh yeah that was weird weird <laughs> yeah um, but it also plays a lot of like i have no idea if it's authentic but like i'll just say hawaiian the music i would envision when i see hawaii and mm-hmm. i really like that it gave it a unique feel that you don't get from a lot of other films that disney makes mm. Yeah, and I especially like the use of Elvis in contrast to the pop song or well, yeah, I love one. that too. Yeah, whereas you 
because like when you compare it, we'll, we'll get to Treasure Planet, but this is a particular yeah. moment where I'm yeah. like, can you be any more end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s with your music choices? Well, there's only one <laughs> pop song in Treasure Planet, and it's terrible. Not, yeah, that would that'd be the way I'd use. So, yeah. this is a breath of fresh air. I actually watched the movies out of order this week because I thought, oh, same order they went in. But yeah, same. And also because um, Lilo and Stitch being on Netflix and uh, Treasure Planet being the one I had to get from the library, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna watch the one I paid for first. You had to this? pay for the library. Yeah, it's a and... dollar to rent. Well, it's a dollar to rent a DVD, but their selection is amazing. Oh, like I they... know that. Okay, so I, I'm going to put a qualifier on this. The first act, after you get done with the alien thing, all the way up to the end of the second act, where Bubbles comes to take away Lilo, I think it might be my favorite segment of a Disney film we've seen. Like, Really? I loved it. I, I loved it, and I got emotional, <laughs> which never <laughs> happens. Like, gen- at work watching this film i was getting really emotional because they felt like people like this is one of the few disney films where i can sympathize with how nani feels and Mm. i can sympathize with lilo's coping mechanism with her parents dying and like when you realize she's feeding the water fish to stop rain because that's how her parents died like Mm -hmm. that's oh my gosh and there's just there's just so much layer here and like the fact that nani can't have a relationship with the guy she clearly likes because she feels responsible for her sister and that's going to be taken away and like the only family they have left is each other but they don't know how to make it work and they both know it doesn't work god it was just so well done it really hit me yeah i don't know why it did yeah what i really like about that story is that i mean i can't granted i can't think of any specific examples but i know i've seen that story told much more poorly where you're meant to sympathize just with Lilo, and then Nani is the antagonist because she's the bad sibling or whatnot, or the bad caretaker. But what I love about it is that they don't go that route, but they actually make all of the characters real characters. I mean, Lilo, you completely understand everything she does. You understand Nani, um, even, what was it, was it Cobra, is Cobra Bubbles? Cobra Bubbles, yeah. Yeah, from the uh, government, where... It's like so often the government, like child services, is so often in animation, especially portrayed and other movies, but portrayed as they're the bad guys. They're the government come to take your kids away. But he's one, he's he's a human being. And two, you can see that he's sympathetic for the situation, but he still has to think about what's best for Lilo. And that's why, you know, that's where the conflict comes in. It's a conflict of people trying to do what's best, but their vi- their views of what's best is are opposite of each other. Yeah, they're flawed. And Nani is still, I don't know, probably like 19 at most. Yeah, most. Yeah. I mean, just be legal age to be a guardian. Yeah. Right. And, and Lilo is like a perfect representation of her age group if she were very Mm -hmm. smart which she is clearly yeah but she's Mm -hmm. kind of she's a twit she doesn't know how to deal with her emotions properly Mm -hmm. but she is you know she causes trouble and she doesn't mean to but it's hard for her to recognize when she's causing trouble and nani just doesn't know how to deal with it like an adult she tries just clearly faking i don't know it's just so well done and it's really funny like that's the other thing is this movie is really funny and really clever about its humor uh, unlike the fart monster in Treasure Planet, where <laughs> right. 
where like the the humor came from the interactions between the characters like even as simple a joke as Lilo saying I want to be the one that buys Stitch and so you have the visual gag of the money being handed back to Nani and hand and then handed to Lilo who's saying I'm borrowing two dollars even though it's already been paid and then Lilo has to hand it back mm-hmm. like even that gag is <laughs> it's clever and subtle in a way that Disney movies especially of this era aren't and few few kids films are right like yeah it's like the antithesis of Minions humor. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, yes, yeah. This this movie, honestly, I feel like modern screenwriters and just anyone involved in modern animation, there's like a list of movies that these people need to sit down and watch and analyze to get how to make proper kids movies. And this is one of the movies that I would put on that. How to list. write how to write children in a way that's realistic, where they can still be have problems that children have, but not yeah. make me want to strangle them. Which I mean. To be fair, that is a really difficult thing to do because... Kids suck. Well, yeah. I mean, it's very hard to write a realistic kid in a movie that an adult is meant to experience and not have that adult get annoyed because there are a lot of things that kids do that are annoying to adults if they forget the fact that, hey, I've been, you know, I've had way more life experience than this kid, so that's why I'm finding this so annoying. But at the same time, it's just... That's a reaction that a lot of people have, and that's where I th- why I think so often when you try to write when people try to write care- kid characters, they just basically write them as short adults. So I'm gonna take an opposite <laughs> stance on this and say I think they did it right, but the conflict in me over Nani being the guardian versus Mr. Bubbles needing to take Lilo was so intense that actually it kind of took some of the enjoyment away from me. Which is interesting because I usually like these more emotional things, but in this movie, it kind of actually stresses me out both times I've seen it. Where I'm like, man, Mr. Bubbles is right. Like, they've got to get Lilo out of there because this is clearly not working, but that is her sister. So, to me, that conflict that probably shows a good movie, but to me, it left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. The fact that there isn't a right answer is what I like, yeah. actually. Right. Because, like, it is, it is right that they're together, but it's also right that. Nani is young and doesn't mm-hmm. have a job for most of the film, which is like one day. But like, right? Like, h- how is this going to work out? They didn't hear the house. That thing gets blown up. But I can understand why that would make someone uncomfortable. My biggest complaint about the movie, which we aren't getting to yet, is the everything with the aliens. I feel is yeah. terrible. But mm-hmm. I think something just to, the other reason why this felt like a Ghibli film. I think it was the scale of the film. Yeah. it's very mm-hmm. small. It's a very intimate. I like that. Yeah, I really like it, especially as Disney movies in this era, like getting bigger and bolder. And this was almost a lot like The Emperor's New Groove, which was like a response to the previous movie, right? Where mm-hmm. you had Atlantis, which was this giant epic adventure that no one really liked, except apparently you guys. And <laughs> which we put had number three on our list. I moved it, I moved it to the top just to spite everyone. <laughs> and then you had this small, you know, again more controlled story. That isn't really about the aliens, really. It's about them figuring out what their family is and if that that is sustainable. Yeah. Which is why the ending of this film makes me so mad. But <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, I think it also kind of – it just kind of goes to show a lot of things, just showcase trends that I've been seeing in a lot of modern movies. Because like with, for example, superhero movies, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and they keep spending more and more and then you got something 
small and simple, like Deadpool and, and Logan, which are really well made and didn't cost nearly as much as, say, um, Captain America Civil War, and which are better movies. In part, You're comparing Lilo and Stitch to Logan? Yeah. It's a smaller movie, and it's more character-focused. My brains are exploding over here. Mm. And Lilo, like, stabs a dude in the face with okay, claws. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> did you did you skip that part? Yep. Mm-hmm. Remake Mr. the Bubbles, movie. <laughs> Mr. Bubbles just rips a dude in half. Mm-hmm. He probably could. He's huge. Yeah, I know, probably. right? I like the character designs especially, because as much as I've said, I... Re- I like the style of um, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, that era. I like that style a lot. I've come to appreciate the realism of the character designs in Lilo and Stitch, where it just, because, you know, it's a very real story. It has Especially to be the told. aliens. Well, aliens look super real. Yeah, they're like real aliens, not fake aliens. They had some decent alien designs. I liked the piglet alien. The one that's literally meant to be Piglet at the beginning. I totally forgot there's a gag where Stitch can play music by putting his finger on a record. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she bites a girl. <laughs> and she nails the door shut and says she just wants to die. Ah, uh, man, I don't know. This movie's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt like the physical comedy worked in this movie better than, well, probably most of the movies we've seen. Oh, because she it was less... Yeah. And, like, controlled. Like, I think the only two things I can think of, really, was the finger on the record, which Nani's, like, horror at him being able to play the record is great. And then I think there's that robot that, like, pukes at the beginning, but... Oh, yeah. (laughs) That didn't bother me at all. I thought that was actually funny. I think I like it because I I really felt like I understood Lilo. Like, she's weird. She Mm -hmm. takes pictures of fat people on the beach. Hashtag (laughs) fat shaming. Whatever. I don't care. But, like... And that's like kind of like you can imagine kids having a weird quirk like that. Like she, she doesn't understand how to interact with people. She loves this pet unconditionally, even though he's this little monster, ugliest thing ever. Yeah, and she it's just wrecking her life. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. I had a, again, I just had a weird connection with this movie up until you know like the third act that yeah. really was more than. I don't know. Watching the last kind of batch of Disney films, this one really stuck out and felt more like a like Renaissance era Disney, at least for the first bit, than any of the other stuff. Yeah, certainly of, more than like Hercules or Tarzan or Atlantis to me. Yeah, it kind of felt like their their last big hurrah before things started slipping. Their last little hurrah. Yeah. yeah, it was like a, a almost return to form. But as James mm-hmm. said, like these films are roller coasters where they're like you have this sometimes have really big highs and then they're augmented by pretty significant lows, right? Like yeah, that's tar like Tarzan, Hercules, Mulan, all of them had that problem. Yeah, and Stitch is no exception. But I think I've enjoyed all of them better this time. Just enjoying them as like almost a historical perspective and for the podcast. Because I think I've been really looking for things that I've liked, and I think Leland Stitch did end up being better the second time for me mm. than that first time. Yeah, that's fair. I could just keep singing this movie's praises, but I'll save it for my closing. Is there anything in particular we all liked? I think we've covered almost everything. Pretty much, it's, yeah. Pretty much. I think. All right. Yeah, like I mean, like we've said, this movie is a human story, and it does that incredibly well. That's why people love it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part of the story. Well, so yeah. I have a huge problem with the ending. <laughs> I have two big problems with the ending. It kind of feels like the film forgot what it was supposed to be. So mm-hmm. part of it was Stitch's character arc, which is resolved. And I yes. like that. But the problem is the bigger, more human conflict that I was more engaged in was whether Nani can be a suitable caretaker for Lilo and whether you know Bubbles would judge that accordingly. Right? And that is – and it is quote-unquote resolved – in like the most lamest, stupidest way possible, because it's not really resolved. Because like she gets right. a job, but their house explodes, and there's this giant alien abduction chase scene that ends in Bubbles being a CIA agent, which was just so freaking coincidentally ham-fisted. I wanted to slap the movie, and That's then she pretty, like lives yeah. with them, like. And it doesn't say why. Like I could understand, it could have been a, re- a resolution ending if, he, even if it just had the line of bubble saying, you know, I don't think you're suitable, but I think, you know, Ohana means family, and so I can, I can, you know, give you a special exception if I supervise you for the next year or something. You know, like there could have been a way to make it work. Yeah. It's like there's an understanding mm-hmm. between the characters that it's not perfect. But they want. But he see he recognizes that it's something he will help them work for, and he's the gatekeeper, right? right. Some because it's because Nani isn't going to be the best caretaker, and Lilo mm. is a giant twit sometimes. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we don't want these characters to be separated. But something needs to intervene to help them, and an mm. alien chase scene is not that thing. <laughs> right. It almost kind of feels like there was some kind of interference in the ending where someone saw this movie that was very low action and decided, no, we need some excitement for the third act, and went all Hollywood up on it, which is where you get that kind of ending. The ending is, at least it was short. Well, sort of. It felt like a smaller scale chase scene than some other films, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it felt like executive messed on that part. I feel like they missed the emotional closure that was needed. Not, yeah. I mean, because every movie has set pieces like a chase scene. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's that there's not the emotional closure on Nani and Lilo that we're missing. Right, and that's just a big coincidence with the bubbles alien. I mean, thing. that that's just dumb. Well, that's like shrinking the universe kind of thing. Yeah, I. <laughs> I did get a I did get a chuckle out of the whole out of the fact that he was the one that convinced the aliens that mosquitoes were an endangered species. Yeah, it was funny, but it like didn't like like what were the odds? Like the yeah. coincidences are just I think too the joke would have been fine not having bubbles involved in that. Like the joke of the mosquitoes, that's great because, you know, it's irony and we're in on the joke and the aliens aren't. We didn't need bubbles to like turn the camera in. Well, I saved the world. Wait. That was me. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I don't like yeah. that part. It could have been like, I've heard of someone who said that mosquitoes are, you know, like, it didn't have to be him. Like, they, they could have made it work in ways that weren't contrived. Yeah. 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 Stupid. Fair <laughs> and And again, and again, yeah, the, the culmination to a chase scene and their house being destroyed, only to be immediately repaired anyway, didn't. Like, the whole film had been very realistic about its stakes. Like, mm-hmm. every time she couldn't get a job, it was, like, painful. Like, then that's a very right. small thing. Her losing her job was very painful. Her not being able to go in and hang out with her not-yet-boyfriend was, like, difficult. And so, like, watching her house get destroyed, you're like, holy crap. Like, how are they ever going to come back from this? And it's just completely glossed over. Like, the, like they complete 
for the sake of the alienness, it felt like I completely lost sight of like what the point of the movie was, which I should have seen coming because they waste so much time in the first act just getting to Hawaii mm-hmm. when they could have cut that entire scene in like a quarter. Like Stitch could have just escaped from the council meeting and that could have been it. Like, yeah. Like, why did they need all? Did they need to really need to pad the movie length? Like, I all the alien stuff is just bad. It's the same problem where it seems like Disney movies have to end too happy almost, and they kind of take some of the easier routes. You know, that's one of the things I like about the Jungle Book. It's it was not the easy route. Mowgli left his friends and went to the Man Village. I don't know if this movie would have gone over with audiences at all if Lilo had been separated from Nani, and then you know they had a. We'll work through this, but that's how the movie ends. You know, that they're separated, that Lilo, or that Stitch gets taken back by the aliens. You know, something like that. But it seems like that would make more sense with the emotional stakes at the beginning. Yeah, it really would have. Like, the thing is, what does Can't Stitch... imagine that movie, though. Like, whoa, that would be interesting. <laughs> right, if the main conflict isn't Stitch's... I mean, the, the overall goal is that family is unifying, and even if you're a horrible monster designed to be a huge douchebag you can still find Stop peace family. in a family right like right. that's the point of the movie but like then it the point of the movie is not because you have a family all your problems are solved the point of the movie mm-hmm. is this is an important unit and it's inclusive and it helps you have a feel feeling of belonging and you can see that because stitch wants it and then gets it and you can see that nani and lilo like at the very beginning they say you know we're in a broken family and they openly admit to it, and they want to repair that because they had it before. And so, like, them repairing that is resolved, but there's all this other stuff that you piled onto that that you have to also resolve. Because I don't feel right. like the point is not – the point is not this also solves all your other problems. And that's what I liked about the movie was that it wasn't black and white, and then at the mm-hmm. end it's completely black and white. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the aliens are funny. So there's that too. Yeah, they really didn't do anything for me this round either. <laughs> Which is funny because I liked the aliens in – I thought the aliens in Treasure Plant were funny except the fart one. At least they were interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like a weird buddy cop alien thing with the crazy scientist and the one-eyed, one-eyed guy, guy that can't use a viewfinder because he only has one eye, but okay. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's the joke. But Probably. <laughs> yeah, it's just – Weird, and then you have you already have a bruiser type character in that scientist, and then another bruiser character in her like military general shows up, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. why do we have two bruisers? And yeah, eh, just you whiffed it, you whiffed it at the end. Disney was so close to making a really good movie. I think that this is the period where there was some uh, executive meddling, and that would you know last for at least another five years. So it kind of makes sense. I could see a committee being like, "Oh, what they end and they just figure things out and talk it out." That's not exciting. We have aliens in this movie; they gotta chase each other. What? Right. <laughs> yeah, no that that definitely feels like somebody got involved that doesn't know how to tell a story and it's too bad because like it feels like a courage thing that disney should be pioneering because i think of i don't, I, i'm sorry i'm comparing it to ghibli but i got really big my neighbor totoro vibes from this movie where my neighbor totoro is about interpersonal relationships and there's a fantasy element layered on top of it that may or may not be real in these children's minds and trying to under, find a feeling of understanding it's less to, distressing i think than a lot of lilo and stitches mm-hmm. but it has a similar tone and the backgrounds reminded me of each other except like one of those films is willing to let itself be small scale throughout like the climax of freaking 
Totoro is they think one of the girls has gone missing and the whole community goes out to find her and then they find out that she was just like with Totoro and she comes back. Like it's literally the crux of the film. Mm. The stakes are way smaller. Right, but it fits the story it was designed for and like this movie felt like it didn't understand what its scale was supposed to be and it it really hurts the film a lot because of it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. honestly I would posit that the problem is is that at this point Disney made made so much money that they had people who were terrified that they would not make enough money and did and did everything they could to make sure that they would make more money when what their movies should have been is it should have been more they should have been more daring with their movies because okay let's say they spend whatever they spent to make Lilo and Stitch let's say they end it the way that felt that would have felt right for the movie and let's say general audiences don't like it so you lose money on it how much money are they making on all their other crap that they really should even if they make a loss at their movies they should be easily make it back with all the other stuff that they do to make money and you honestly i'd say you know what yeah sacrifice a little money to make some good art because you're gonna make money back on the disney princess merchandise that goes completely against the goal yeah. of a corporation well and that's not the culture at all because this is pre-purchasing pixar they're in decline hmm. people are going to see 3d movies computer animated over 2d and the money from lilo and stitch well it was fine in the box office the money was made for merchandising mm-hmm. so it's, and the tv show that apparently was okay <laughs> yeah so this isn't about this isn't about integrity for the company at this point because it's about not shareholders. Mm-hmm. Their last yeah. two films were bombs. It was Emperor's New Groove and Atlantis. They made way less than their budgets. Yeah, and and they didn't have nearly enough merchandising incentives because they both well they didn't both suck. But I couldn't see how you could merchandise off Emperor's New Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Sell Isma dolls? I mean, <laughs> yes, live lives. Like, start a llama farm. I think yeah, that's why I, Lilo and Stitch is still around, is because Stitch sold. Mm. Nothing else in this movie sold, but Stitch still sells. I, I say yes, and I say I think people recognize, the even if they can't articulate it, I think people recognize that there's an emotional core to this movie that was absent, that. absent yeah. from all other Disney movies over the past several years. Like, mm. this movie had a soul, which is weird, because, again, it felt like a Ghibli film that has a soul. You felt like artists thought through this and you have actual genuine emotions interacting with it which doesn't happen very often for most films especially coming out of disney these days mm-hmm. and so people recognize that and i think that's why people still hold it near and dear yeah despite the despite, third act d- yeah well i mean the kids probably love it because yeah. yeah, kids well dumb, but like yeah honestly yeah. i can't i feel like the reaction to this movie just emphasizes the point of if you want to make money or if you want to make a good movie let the artists do what they do and it will make money yeah but we don't know for sure if like there was an original draft of this that didn't have a stupid ending true yeah this was the this was the year after monsters inc interestingly enough i just realized Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess all the creative talent was was at pixar Yeah. yeah, not surprising. But I think we've given this a fair shake. Any other like final things you didn't like um, that we haven't mentioned in passing or that field needs to be expounded upon? I think I got my I think we yeah. got most of it. Yeah. Not really. I mean the only negatives I can think of are the ones you've already mentioned. There's no yeah. point in Stitch having six arms, but whatever. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. It's to make him alien. Yeah. yeah. So, so that you can sell two dolls, one with six arms, one with four. One with Elvis costume. Yeah. Three dolls. Well, four dolls. One where you have the arms that you can extend Removable and arms. You can yank off. Circuit stitch. All right, so... <clears throat> yes. Let's let's move to final thoughts and scoring. Do I always go first the first round? I'm just giving into routine at this point. I love this movie, still. I, I loved it more than I ever thought I would love it. I, I felt a twinge in my cold, dead heart of emotion. <laughs> and I really, 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 really loved Lilo and Nani. And this is an instance of I wish they were in a movie that ended better. But at least I can't say I wish they were in an entirely better movie like with Hercules because a lot of this movie is really good. Man, I don't know. The whole act when you see Hawaii up to when they get Stitch is just so, such quality. And it just looks fantastic. And I love the music. And I feel most of the comedy isn't like cringing. Some of it is, but not all of it. I'd probably get like four stars. I'd watch it again. I watched it again over most stuff on our list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'd probably like get emotional again. Maybe <laughs> I'm kind of over it now. Now that we've ripped it to shreds, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have to rank it yet. To you guys, give your scores. So Derek, let's yeah. hear it. Yeah, this is a movie that I feel like if it had have come out a few years earlier, I would have seen it way more often because around the time it came out was the time when I stopped rewatching stuff as much because. You know, you grow up and you decide, okay, if I'm going to watch something, I'm going to watch something new. This one just had the misfortune of being, yeah, I watched it. It was great. All right, what else am I going to watch? So, yeah, it it definitely feels like a movie that should have been seen by me far more often. It's, yeah, I love the fact that it focuses on the characters and just focuses on, for the most part, being a really good story about a relationship between sisters. And And the kind of relationship between sisters that you... Honestly, you don't... I say that a lot. Uh, the kind of relationship between sisters that you really don't see all that often. Because by taking the parents out of the context, you focus on one of them has to be the adult, be the adult, and one of them ha- is the kid. And, and so it's like usually it's more... It's less about I have to be the parent to the younger sister and more about we have to learn to get along as friends and sisters. Well, there's certainly... The only other film I can think of where two sisters don't have parents is Frozen, and there's that definitely a different dynamic between these characters. That, yes, that did, come, that did come to mind. And it's it's a good example of... Yeah, one's a better movie. It's not Frozen. <laughs> well, but, you know, I mean, with there, the story was we have to learn how to get along as friends, basically. It wasn't about Elsa learning to raise her younger sister. So, it... Yeah, I like the uniqueness of the story. I would give it a... Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. James! Conflict in my heart about this film. Because I feel like it's a four-star movie, but my emotional reaction makes it a three for me. Well, that's fair. Trying to debate, like... Critically, I see that it's a successful movie. For me, there are a lot of other films on this list that I would rather watch... Not necessarily that they're better. And that already worked with uh, Derek once when I got Beauty and the Beast as number two. So <laughs> you can mark that off on your bingo card as well. Right. Well, your um, personal score doesn't inflate. Your personal score doesn't have to influence list ranking. So Okay, I'm going to go with three for my personal, but I do think that it is deserving of the four star. So you liked Leland Stitch as much as Derek liked all of our companies, what we're getting at. Oh, I hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever rated it three stars, 
I was, be- I was, I had not no, yet been even, jaded. Don't even, don't even, just don't. Okay, so we're going to look at the list. Eventually I'm going to have to stop reading through the whole thing and we're going to have to like pick general areas before it's going to be too long. But currently we have Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Hunchback, Mulan, Empress Du Groove, Great Mouse Detective, Tarzan, Hercules, Rescuers, Mermaid, Atlantis, Oliver, and Pocahontas. So I think it's in like the somewhere in the five to nine ish range. Mm. It's in the middle of the list. Yeah. Um, oh, like I see everyone popping on the Google Doc now. Hmm. I don't think I'm going to win the argument that it goes above Emperor's New Groove, but I think I put it directly below it and above Great Mouse Detective. That's a good question. I really like this movie. So I probably would put it. Mm, Do you like it more than Tarzan? Do you think it's a better film than Tarzan? Those are two different questions. I know, but. Um, I like Tarzan better. I think it's a better film than Tarzan. I would put it under The Great Mouse Detective at number eight. Yeah, honestly, my initial thought was to, this is going to be surprising, but to put it at number four. Like Beneath Lion King? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Hunchback, but this is a really solid movie, but... hmm. I could could actually get... I could see it in the range between, like, four and six. I could go either way. I yeah, I mean, but it's really hard for me to put him up Emperor's New Groove. But that's <laughs> nostalgia speaking. So. True. <sighs> I mean, yeah, I could probably say settle it at either number seven or number eight. So which one? Um, <laughs> yeah, you uh, like this film better than Punchback? I thought it was your favorite thing ever. Derek is I broken have... by this podcast. <laughs> I'd just like to point out we've only been at this for like seven weeks, and we've broken him. <laughs> yeah. See, anytime I see a good movie, it becomes my new favorite thing. So that's so a little I, hard to rank. If this were my list, I'd put it probably beneath Mulan and above Emperor's New Groove because while it's solid, Mulan mm-hmm. is solider, and so is all the films above it, like as complete packages. Mm-hmm. It's just that the highs of Lilo and Stitch, I think, are higher than most movies in this list. Yeah. Like that's that's where I'm conflicted because mm-hmm. I honestly think it has like the most human. I'm a big sucker for slice of life stories, as yeah. anyone who knows my taste in anime can see. And this was like a perfect one for me, and so it completely resonated. But I understand that like you know, The Lion King is a better movie objectively well, yeah. <laughs> so can we so derek above or below great mouse detective because i think it should go above it yeah i'll put it above great mouse detective are you fine with it at seven james beneath the emperor uh, beneath the emperor's new groove above the great mouse detective sure i'm <laughs> like what you really? it? Convince i just think me. great mouse detective is a better story mm-hmm. but i like stories that are well great mouse detective is kind of a slice of life in a way but i think i like that mice slight <laughs> the the mice of life. A slice of mice. Yeah. Wow. I kind of think like Great Mouse Detective has its quality has a more even curve to it, where it's like it it's high quality throughout. But Lilo and Stitch, the highs are higher than the Great Mouse Detective, and the lows are a little lower. But I think it's the case where the highs are so high that they manage to compensate for the lows and give it more of an impact than a movie that is solid throughout. The hires are so high, they moved to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it is very high in elevation there. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> yeah, seven's I'm, fine. I'm going to put it at seven. Okay. Do it. All right, so it has beaten out Great Mouse Detective, Tarzan, Hercules, Rescuers, Down Under, Little Mermaid, Atlantis, Oliver Company, and Pocahontas. I'm okay with this. <laughs> and the Little Mermaid is really being pushed down there. Well, at least it beat Atlantis, so it's got that going for it. It's currently <laughs> winning the water-based film competition. <laughs> 
Now, where will we put Moana so that it can be next to those two? Above, above all of those. I actually I don't remember much about Moana, so I'd have to see it again. Mm. Yeah, we'll I'd, watch it again later. Yeah, I'd I'd have to rewatch that one just because I only but watched it rock once. in it, <laughs> and I love the rock. He is very charming in that movie. 10 out of 10 would rock again. <laughs> he does pee in the ocean. 10 out of 10. I don't remember that. I don't remember <laughs> Okay, <that>. anyway. <laughs> so Lilo and Stitch is a good movie. That's fine. Clues you should watch it. Bring your kids, except it's rated PG for familial trauma. It's actually rated PG for mild sci-fi action. Not familial. That's literally what it says on the IMDb. <sighs> See what the parental guide says. I always think these are really funny. Contains infrequent and very mild sex references. What? 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 When? A little girl tells a young adult boy that her sister likes his butt. Yeah, that That's... was actually that was freaking hilarious. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sure in a roundabout way I can understand the reasoning. obese people are seen in photographs with no shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I shouldn't be laughing. I'm sorry. PG-13. <laughs> yeah, swimsuit. Sister stinky. PG-13. Wait, she calls her yeah. what? Stinky. Oh. Yeah, that probably is swimsuits. Oh, no, because you're in freaking Hawaii. Anyway. But, but Hawaii is PG-13. No. <laughs> Hawaii is amazing. Moving on to the movie that Ron Clements wanted to make so bad he staked his entire career on it staked his entire career on it <laughs> how did that turn out <laughs> in retrospect was probably not the smartest thing he's done they, they did end up back at disney after this despite getting kicked out after <laughs> by sucking hard and making treasure planet <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh wait yeah we're talking about treasure planet another pg rated disney film an hour and 35 minutes, and the IMDb tags are Animation Adventure Family, because there's a family in it. It this has came out, family elements. Mohana means family. In space! <laughs> it came out in November. Uh, the plot is Treasure Island, but it's in space. Yeah. You know, Literally yeah. Treasure Island, uh, down to the design of the ships and the clothing. Yeah, which I actually kind of liked, even though it was weird. But we're getting yeah. not get. <laughs> okay, have either of you seen the Disney Treasure Island movie? Oh, yes. Like I grew up on that. You know, I'm okay, not sure. I think I saw part of it, but I. It's like a classic, and you should definitely watch it. I was, it's pretty good. I was busy watching In Search of the Castaways. Thank you very I, much. Seen that one too. <laughs> Charlie the Lone Cougar and Derek is Boo. busy watching Snow Dogs. I'm pretty sure we watched that movie more than once. <laughs> Snow Dogs, seriously? Okay, just don't even tell me about it. I don't want to know. It has a sled race. <laughs> oh, Nathan, do you want to tell us about Dogs talk. Did I ask this before? They the, don't talk, right? They don't talk except at one point Cuba Gooding Jr. is hallucinating and the dogs are making fun of him in his hallucination. I keep confusing it with Balto and this other sled race based on a book that I used to read as a kid. Where, like, at the end, an aborigine, like, stops the race and lets him carry his... his like, dog dies at the end mm. of the race. It's like, heart explodes. And then Aww. the aborigine lets him carry his dead dog so he can win over the line and, like, save Don't you mean him. an Eskimo? I don't know. 
Eskimo? I think that might not thing you can say anymore. No. I, pretty certain that the term aborigine to the land. Yeah. <laughs> there. I don't even remember what it was called, but it's not Balto. What's it called? Dang, now it's going to drive me crazy. Anyway, going back to Treasure Planet. <laughs> the thing, huh? <laughs> that was, hmm. John Carpenter made a slight detour there. I love The Thing, but we're not talking about The Thing. We're talking about another horror movie called Treasure Planet. Okay, so if you don't know the plot to freaking uh, Treasure Island, uh, a, a kid wants to be a pirate, and then a pirate shows up on his door, and he has the black spot, but he isn't in this one. And he has a map to treasure, and so he goes on a boat to go get the treasure, and... On the boat, unbeknownst to him, are a bunch of pirates that are going to mutiny and take over. Then they go to the island, and there's a crazy guy on it that they left from last time for this legendary gold. And then they get the gold, and then the boy has a connection with the head pirate who's named Long John Silver. And so they learn the true meaning of friendship, and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets some money, and then the movie ends. That was Joseph Gordon-Levitt? You didn't know that? No, I didn't. Emma Thompson is the pirate captain. Yeah, it's the best part of this whole freaking movie. She's yeah. really great. She is. Her design is great. Her character's hilarious. Yeah. And don't give no guff. Yeah. It, I swear, at times, it seemed like she wasn't looking at the person she was talking to, and I wasn't sure if that was an animation error or if that was just her personality. I think it was her personality. Yeah, the yeah. latter. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, wait. We have to do first impressions. I've yes. never seen this movie before. This is the first time I've seen it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's it's Treasure Island, all right. I liked it more than I thought I would. <laughs> I had very low expectations. I like the I like the goofy art design and the ships being literal boats in space for no effing reason. Actual spaceships do have solar sails sometimes to solar power. At least that's what they're predicting will happen in the future. Like mm. so I mean that could be what that is. I don't freaking yeah. care. And I, I did like how they show, like, early on that the sails are there to charge the batteries. Like, when the when the ship takes off, they show that it's like, yeah, power going down to the batteries. I like that Jim Hawkins was a radical 2000s kid with two in his flying Gosh. surfboard. Tim, um, Jim Hawkins was... Wait, wait, Derek, let Nathan finish his opening thoughts. It's about opening thoughts. I let you ramble for four and a half hours every time you have an opening thought. <laughs> I'm that cutting this. I'm cutting this affront to me out. <laughs> I'm pretty much done, though. It was okay. okay. It's better than Atlantis. Yeah. It felt like the kind of movie Atlantis should have been. Where I did get mm. kind of caught up in the swashbucklingness of it. It was kind of the feeling I have when I watched the first Pirates, only not as much. Where it's like I can objectively look at the story and say it's stupid, and the characters aren't very well developed or whatever. But I had a good time, and that's what I really care about. So it's fine. It's better than it, – it deserved more than it got, I think, in terms of, like, financial whatever. It's not yeah. a bad movie. Derek, yeah. here's your chunk. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, this – I'd only ever seen this movie once before. I remember it being okay. Rewatching it, I like it a bit, quite a bit more. I hear a lot of people complaining about this movie where it's like, why are they – why is it sailboats in space? Why not just spaceships? To which my answer is – because it's cool? Like, yeah, it is kind of silly, and how do they breathe in space when they don't have a dome over their ship or anything, but it's cool. Well, I wasn't paying attention. You have had seen this movie before? Yeah, just once before. Did you like it before? 
I liked it, but it didn't stand out as the greatest Disney movie of all times in any way. What do you think about it now? Like, in brief. Like, were your expectations changed? They were about the same. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I found there were some bits that I had slightly different views on. I mean, for I think a good example is Jim Hawkins, who to me felt like the last dying gasp of the 90s. From his hair, his design to his introduction to his attitude, but at the same time, I really, in I like, I like the way they wrote his type of character. It's like this kind of character that's written a lot, but I think they did a good job with him. All right, so James, then I guess. So I've seen this movie a bunch. <laughs> really? I think it, it came out of course, yeah. right before I was seventeen. I have three younger brothers. And for years, we have played pirate ships flying in space with Legos or whatever. There's no actual pirate ships in this movie. I want you to know that. Yes, there are at the very, very beginning. No, that's a story. That doesn't actually happen. Oh, well, I think it did. There's no actual pirate ships in this movie. It's a lie. No, it's in a story. It's not real. But it doesn't matter. It's in the movie. No, but it doesn't count if it's a book. Nathan, it's all pretend. This is a movie. It's not real. I'm, oh, really? Thank you. Anyway, just like, make sure continue. that you the alien, realistic aliens are not that real. Our aliens don't exist, IRL. Sad. Anyway, so my three younger brothers really liked this movie. I watched it a bunch. I am very forgiving of this film. There's very stupid things in this movie, but I disagree with Nathan and say that the story is great. The reason it's great is because it's Treasure Island. Yeah, with a great montage with a pop song in the middle, which is just what I thought Treasure Island was lacking when I was reading the book. <laughs> to be fair, that's one of the stupid parts. Last dying gasp of the 90s indeed. You can't, like, spend time on your character development. Like, with Leo and Stitch, you can just montage it, and then it's just assumed. That's actually not fair, because I feel like they did a decent job of having them have character development after mm. that. But it did feel contrived when I was watching it. Yeah. So. Yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to add, James, or should we move on to the uh, parts that we liked? Yeah, let's move on. I like Long John Silver, I like Jim Hawkins, and I like their relationship, and I like that they tied, well, for one, Disney act, I think this is like a Disney first and only, where his dad left, straight up abandoned his wife and child. His yeah, dad's dick. Yeah, he didn't mm-hmm. die, he's not a dead dad, and they explore so... They explore something they don't often do because so often it's like, my dad died and this affects me in certain ways. But with this one, you really get the idea of, yeah, his dad left. That's going to affect Jim in specific ways. And they show how that affects them. And they show how he grows as a character from having found, from finding a uh, questionably good role model. And I like the drama that they really they really dig into the drama of... Long John Silver was a positive influence on his life, and he's also the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they drew a lot on his abandonment issues. Like, that's I felt like they did. Didn't get resolved. Well, if they, I kind of am torn because it wasn't really brought up. But like when Silver leaves and he accepts that he's leaving, like that kind of is like the moment, I guess. For yeah. He, gets over it but But i think that's what his mom like his mom has that conversation with the doctor about how once his dad left everything changed for jim and it maybe wasn't explicit but i Mm -hmm. thought it was pretty good yeah i i I mean it's kind of like the idea of i guess was go ahead yeah he was too young to really 
to accept the fact that his father was leaving, but now history is repeating itself with Long John leaving, but now he is matured in such a way that he is able to accept that this is happening and he can, you know, he can process it and continue his life as an adult despite despite someone that was important to him leaving and also his enemy escaping and it just kind of shows you know he's grown over he's he's grown up basically i think that's the moment I, that's the point of it at least i like the coming of age story slapped on top of treasure island mm. because treasure island isn't really a coming of age story from what i remember reading and watching it's, like a, it's just more of a swashbuckling tale and he's just kind of the viewpoint of the character yeah. right which is which is really fun but i like the fact that jim is just on that like brink of late teenage adulthood which is probably what right about where i was when i saw this film and i liked that change in him you know finally being able to accept some things and then moving on with his life yeah it's it's what i really like about coming back to this movie and a lot of these other ones but is that because a lot of these movies these are all movies that i watched as a kid but coming back to them as an adult and especially it stands out in this case to me that it's a coming of age story and i'm approaching it not from the hey, I'm beginning my coming of age, but more of a, at least I like to think, I have come of age, now let me look at this story from the opposite end of the last time that I saw it. It's a big assumption you're making, Lady Derek. Yep. No, I thought it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing to me is, like, yeah, his father abandoned him, but, like, I never really felt like his father could have just died and it wouldn't have changed his character. Like, the good Disney movies, to me, dig deeper on specifics like that. Mm. I didn't feel like his abandonment issues were as explored as much as if his father had just friggin' died. Uh-huh. Because if he had some sort of abandonment issues, wouldn't he be worried about abandoning his mother after their house burned down? But he has no... That's what she, his father basically did to her in a less worse situation. And yet, he still just goes, and it's not like a point uh-huh. of impact for his character. Yeah. That- I, I know we're not in the negatives, but I feel like that's a necessary critique of... His, I think it's fair. I didn't yeah. really connect with him that much. I like he didn't it have felt... a mom in the real story, did he? It was just some random, not I random, he but he was at a bar or an inn. I don't remember. Yeah, I, don't, I think he was probably an orphan. Yeah, I based on the version that I've seen, which was the Muppets Treasure Island. She was uh. just she was just um person that he was working for, basically. Which I love that movie still. Yeah. I, that was like my biggest guilty pleasure. Tim Curry is Long John Silver. I, he, he's amazing. <laughs> I like the design of the pirates, and I like yeah. that they didn't need, they didn't waste time character developing them like they would be at all important to the story. It like totally knew they were just there to be douchebags, except for like the spider one was the super douchebag. Yeah, and that grandma head on legs is the t- most terrifying thing ever to grace a Disney movie. So creepy, but. <laughs> Unlike Atlantis, where I feel like they wasted time on side characters that was unnecessary because they didn't do anything with them, I didn't really give a crap that they didn't waste time on the pirates, and I'm glad mm-hmm. they didn't. It focused on the characters that mattered, which were the captain, his, the, the, doctor. the doctor, who should have been more of a father figure to Jim, really, but whatever, mm-hmm. and Jim and Launch on Silver. Yeah. And that weird mob, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What I kind of like, what I kind of like is how. I don't know whether this was intentional, but how the movie portrays humans as a minority. Because the only humans we see are mm-hmm. Jim and his mother. Everyone else is an alien, which it's, you just kind of, I don't know, for me at least, it makes me wonder, are they just the outliers that are living, like, are humans just spread out and there's so few of them, or 
they're all in one place and these two are just the outliers or something. It's, I don't know. It's, I like movies that make me ask those kind of questions. And that's a little thing, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed it. I felt Jim was also an anti-Milo. Like, in the intro, yes. like, mm. early on when he's, like, threatened by the spider, he just doesn't take his crap. Like, I thought I fully expected him to back down and be a coward because that's how the character in Treasure Island is. Yeah. And he did. He was like, you know, you still suck. You're still, like, whipping him and being like, yeah, you're still still a stinky, stupid bug. Milo would have just cried. Yeah. And, yep. like, I liked that. It said a lot about his character in that scene, I liked ended up respecting his character a lot more because I felt like he was mm. a character that was determined and wasn't going to. It, I got to see that through his actions versus people telling me he was determined, yeah. I guess, and it showed a lot better. Yeah, I one one bit that I kind of liked early on with his introduction was when the police robots are bringing him home, and one of them can't remember the you know the full the full citation, and he and he finishes it for him and there's like oh yeah that was cute i like that too he's been through this <laughs> honestly i really liked the opening with um little jim and his mother because mm-hmm. it was just it i don't know it, for me i felt an instant connection it's not little jim uh it's young jim according to imdb <laughs> <laughs> little jim young jim dead jim jim jimmy jim slim jims <laughs> But yeah, anyway, young Jim and his mother, I thought they did a great job of just this little slice of life of this is bedtime for this young family. And they did it in such a way that didn't feel, I don't know, to me at least it didn't feel contrived. And yeah, I just yeah instantly liked both of them. And I liked the contrast that it provided in their relationship then versus their relationship immediately after that. James, this is like your favorite thing ever. Same. Not my favorite thing ever. I do think it's really fun. I like the combination of the pirates in space. I think that they really kind of did not pull the punches and let some bad things happen to these characters, which I like. One of the things about Muppet Treasure Island that is fine, I think it's funny, but that is big change is like keeping Mr. Arrow alive. And this one, they actually let people die. His dad leaves. Like, I feel like in some the ways... arrow gets stuck raised. into a black hole. Yeah. You don't like, die. They did science. You just get stuck in a permanent instance of pain for millions of years since time and space compresses as your molecules are being pulled okay. apart. So he literally had a fate worse than death. Joy. Yeah, so I felt like... <laughs> Good thing he's made out of, like, a rock. <laughs> Although, yeah, I... The stakes felt higher in this film than a lot of the other films. Even Atlantis. Like, in this one, it's like, oh... People are dying. Well, not people. Aliens are dying. Well, they kill the name character, which they didn't do at all in Atlantis because they're, it's a movie for dumb with babies and it's bad. Yeah. And there's no stakes at all. This movie had stakes. Yeah. This and, movie does have stakes. Yeah. And I like, swashbuckly. And I like that, you know, with Arrow's death, I like that they actually they establish him as a likable character, mostly through his, inter, his interaction with Captain Amelia. I think it was yeah, Amelia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with I love her and his interaction because on his own he would probably be kind of a oh look at that stiff character or whatever. But between the two of them, you get a real sense of history and camaraderie, and they both kind of complement each other really well, which helps establish mm-hmm. which helps establish his character beyond just what we see in his actions. So you know yeah. it makes the death mean something, which. When you kill a character, the death should mean something. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just there for shock value, and it's 
just a throwaway. I don't I don't feel like it was a throwaway in this movie. Indeed. So I know some of the CG Nathan you weren't a fan of, but I did like Long John's cyborg pieces and Ben being computer animated, but then they drew lines over it to make it look like it was mm. hand drawn. Ben looked really weird to me. I didn't like it. Hmm. I liked hmm. his CG arm. I didn't like Ben. I didn't like like there's a but was it the sh- character that bugged you, or was it the the way he that looked? Both. Okay. The there's way he looks sh- doesn't bug me at all. There's an early shot of like the masts of the ship flying by in his in his book, and they just look like that era CG, and they look bad. And him like yes. surfing are parts that just look bad. Like mm-hmm. they look very dated. But I yeah. like that they took the time to make some of the CG, like especially Long John's cyborg parts actually look like they were hand-drawn. I thought I read that everything in this movie except the human characters was originally rendered in CG. It's like Tarzan where there's like no actual animation being done. I don't know exactly what you mean, but like the background is that same program that they used in Tarzan. Yeah. The deep canvas. Yeah, something so like it, that. It can move better. But the, the characters were hand-drawn. I liked Captain Amelia. I wish she was in the story more. Yeah. I liked her relationship with... I thought her relationship with the Doctor was somewhat earned. I didn't like that the Doctor went from being a really bad comedy relief to being an actual character. (laughs) Like, when you already had two other comedic reliefs in form of shape-shifting weird thing and comic relief Ben. There's little air quotes (laughs) around comic relief. Yeah, I kind of like how they... I kind of liked how they introduced her in such a way that you could see why Jim would dislike her, but at the same time made her a very likable and interesting character. Well, Jim was a little twit, and she was just establishing order on a ship full of freaking pirates. I yeah. liked her. She was, like, my favorite character in the movie, like, yeah. because she was so competent. I, I her. felt like her relationship with, was it Dr. Doppler, I think was his name? I mm. felt like that was earned. It did make Doppler all of a sudden be, like, kind of the action hero at the end but his character kind of needed some redemption i felt like especially if he's going to end up with amelia like he had to step it up at the end right yeah i did kind of i was a bit amused by how she's kind of a or at least maybe i misread this but she's kind of a racist against doppler's species at the beginning they're like the same species are they i thought she was a cat and he's a dog she's definitely a cat and he's definitely a dog how did they have babies this is a question that many sci-fi do not answer. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, maybe the babies are like um, mules. Okay, no, I'm not letting you headcanon this. We're moving on. It's not <laughs> headcanoning. It happens in real life. So, moving on. They'd be sterile. Moving that, on. That was the point I was going to make before I was rudely interrupted. Okay, somehow we've made it through all of this without Derek talking about the score and James talking about the – or and Derek, I guess, talking about how it looks. Yeah. Yeah. So do you like the score? I thought it was fine. There were like, there's like one moment in the intro that I was like, I like this song, and then I just didn't care for the rest of the movie. Yeah. It sounded like a swashbuckling pirate movie score. So except that pop song. Yeah. That, Ugh, shoot me in the head. That part from the movie doesn't bother me. In the movie, it feels like it screeches the movie to a halt. Yeah. Yeah. That. But, that stood out as my probably one of my least favorite parts just because i'm like oh well this this is da- this isn't dated in any way i thought it looked fine yeah i like the, the art, cg so. fits space 
Mm-hmm. Like this is like the film where it didn't really fit the jungles of Africa or wherever Tarzan was. Yeah, but that would be where he was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It could have been Botswana. I don't know if that's in Africa. That's it could have been South America. That's in Africa. Botswana is in Africa. South America is not in Africa. Botswana is in Africa. Okay, yeah, there aren't gorillas. I'm just stupid. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> Thought it looked fine. I liked the look of the movie, minus the bad CG. Yeah. I really liked the character design of main characters, except I actually didn't really like Long John Silver's design very much because, like I said, I thought he looked like a weird fish man. <laughs> Maybe it's because he has 47 chins. I don't know. I think he looks more like a walrus to me than a fish. Yeah, they could have made him... They did a good mix of making, like, you know, if you watch stuff about how Disney designs their characters, they did a good mix of making him look both villainous yet sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not it's, his crew. His crew was disgusting. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the just, thing with the, the head with the two long legs, that one freaks me out more than the head with the tentacles. Yes. No, the, the yeah, that's the one. The grandma head with the two long legs. Oh, okay, like, yeah. That's, that is the worst that thing. I kill myself every time I see it because it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Get out! <laughs> no. Be on the podcast logo for this week. Just that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like the art style of this movie. It. What I liked about it is that it kind of felt like a step in the direction of the art style that I liked the most. At least when it I first does. saw this movie, it's sort of like it's a more modern art style, but it does feel more like a step in the classical direction. Which, Mm -hmm. granted, now I can appreciate the many different art styles that they've tried out, but I still have a special place in my heart for what they were going for with this one. I do like the weird chips in space. I probably would have hated it as a kid because I was all anal about that stuff, but I think I like it a lot. Yeah, I actually... Yeah, I think, honestly, it feels more fun to have it be... It's just, you know, it's those kinds of ships in space it just if it were just spaceships it'd be like it's a sci-fi movie but it's not really treasure planet it's just inspired by treasure planet as opposed to this literally be, um, it'd be inspired by treasure planet sorry, it'd be inspired I meant, by treasure island that's what i meant i meant it's a movie inspired by treasure island as opposed if you to said this island as like don't say it Derek. do not say island <laughs> yeah well as opposed to this movie literally being treasure island but in space bad things Yes, bad things. I wish that they had made his kind of wanderlust for adventure tied more to his abandonment issues because I felt like they were two separate things. Yeah. And I'm not sure if either one was like 100% resolved by the end. Yeah. I, I don't know if his wanderlust was even really earned because it's like, I want to go be a pirate. And then we cut to him just like doing cool, sweet 90s tricks and getting in trouble with the law. And it's like, what does that have to do with wanderlust? Yeah, I kind of feel like they probably could have tied that in by having, like, in part, have him want to go out there to find his father, and then just have it up in the air be whether he wants to, you know, be reunited with him because he misses him, or because he wants to, you know, or because he wants to give him a piece of his mind. That would overcomplicate it, though. Mm -hmm. That would be the same kind of problem with, like, Mr. Bubbles being the CIA agent and the Child Protection Service guy. You wouldn't have to have him get resolution for he finds his dad, but more be like, that's the instigating moment, and then the moment he lets Long John escape is the moment that he realizes, oh, wait, you know, I can live my life with this being in my past without letting it overpa- overshadow my future. 
I felt like his wanderlust wasn't earned because he should want to stay at home with his mother because he saw that he felt firsthand the experience of what happens when a parental figure leaves someone behind and how bad that is. Mm-hmm. So him leaving his mom was really weird to me. I kind of should have just brought her. Yeah, that's why I was, not? Yeah, I was just thinking why that not? right now. What reason did she have to stay behind? She the whole time she'd be like, "Jim, you gotta do better, Jim." Nag, nag. I'm just kidding. I liked his mom, but she probably would just nag him. Well, probably, but I, yeah, I liked his mom a lot as well. Um, I think their mom, the mom going with him, is like the best idea I've ever heard for this movie. Yeah, because I mean, what that was works. she doing? That works for me. It's like she's not dealing with it's. She's not dealing with their inn. They don't have an inn. Is she just staying in Doppler's house? Well, why? Why? Like she didn't. She never had the moment where she's like, "You're leaving just like your father," and they had to reconcile, and then he left. Like, that right. was the moment this film needed. And, like, yeah. instead of her just being there as literally, like, a plot device, because Disney movies have to have at least one of the parents, unless they're Lilo and Stitch. So, <laughs> or Frozen. Yeah. I guess they yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like the reason she didn't go along is because... She was just a plot device. Well, That's the actual yeah. reason. Well, that and, that and the fact that it's a... It's a coming-of-age story, which those are difficult to do if the parents are sticking around. But they're, they took out Captain Amelia for, like, the whole last third. They could have made it, like, taken her out some way, too. You know, she's still on the boat with the pirates, and they didn't get to rescue her, so they have to go back. Yeah, he her. also you know, already had, like, pseudo-parental figures that were in charge, which was Captain Amelia and Weird Doctor Man yeah. and Long John Silver. To an and they, none of them affected his growth in that mm. film. True. See, that's the thing. Okay, I don't see his growth. Like, I don't see his – because I don't understand where he came from and where he's going. He was competent throughout the entire film, and you never – I do get but his him – his competence is not the problem. It's his emotional uh, – Yeah, but what's his whatever. emotional distress? Is it his wanderlust or is it the fact that his father left? Because Not wa- sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, that's the problem because at the uh. beginning, it's like wanderlust, and then at the end, we get to see, oh, his father actually abandoned him, or it's so like, kind of like in the middle, and then yeah. it's like, okay, I got that, right? Yeah. But like I get that Long John is filling that hole, but we never saw like that emotionally distress him. At, like, okay, we kind of did because they they told, not showed – Mm-hmm. That he was distressful after his father left, and that he was doing sick tricks through whatever because of his dad left or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, what does that have to do with like his character growth? Mm. It felt like it felt like they were trying to hybridize a character that had a coming of age story and the original plot, which was this guy's just kind of here experiencing yeah. it with everyone else. And because of that, it went halfway, and they just half-assed it, and that's why this movie didn't make any money. Yeah, because it didn't. Because they they didn't freaking hire an editor. Yeah. It reminds me of the same problems that they had. Not same, but similar problems in Hercules and Little Mermaid. It's just kind of their style that they just never quite get it quite right. Because mm. I felt Long Except John Silver had a lot. Yeah, they did. And I felt Long John Silver had more growth than he did. Long John Silver realized he isn't just a heartless skeeving jerk and he actually can have feelings for people and that those feelings are worth more than money. Like, having a son figure, having a friend is worth more. Like, he felt like he had more of an arc than Jim did. Yeah. Don't be tricked. Long John Silver is the real main character. <laughs> Even the freaking doctor grew more as a character. Mm. He started out as a bumbling buffoon and became a badass. Like, like sort that. of. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. it does kind of feel like this is a common complaint we've been having on this podcast, is that... 
the main characters tend to not have the best character arc in a lot of their movies. Yeah, I mean, I it's felt a like Jim had at least more. What's I felt like he had some setup, but just wasn't executed. He has more yeah. setup than Hercules. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it. Well, sort of. I mean, Hercules' motivation is just clearly stated. Like Zeus turns to the camera and says, "Now he has to be a true hero," and then that's the film. And then they have to sing the song. Right. It's on a roll. Yeah. Bless, oh my soul, Herc is on a roll. It's classic. Hercules. Yeah. More like Hercules. <laughs> Like yeah. that, but yeah, Jim just didn't feel like he really went anywhere. Yeah, that's my biggest complaint. And I hate Ben. I get, I get it's based off a character in Treasure Island, and I like the character. But Ben, okay, here's why I don't like Ben. Yeah, tell I hate me characters. why you don't like Ben because he's like the best version of Ben they could have made in a sci-fi. No, here's for, why I don't like me. Ben because they meet him and then they have the scene where he's like, oh, look, there's your friends. Hey, here you are. Come over here. And then everyone sees him. That's like you introduced a character just for the contrived motion of causing conflict. And, like, that's literally why he was introduced for that particular scene. I just hate it when films do that. It's like, oh, here's the crazy character that forces conflict when there doesn't need to be, like him pulling the random wires on the ship and all this dumb garbage. Like, don't get me wrong, it made the fight seem more entertaining, and it kind of turned it into the alien, which was funny for about mm-hmm. 15 seconds. But, like, I, I just did not... Ben felt more like a contrivance of necessary plot conflict than, like, a character. Which... And the fact that he was obnoxious didn't help. And the fact that he was Martin Short really didn't help. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that who was the voice actor. I was Martin Short. I like that he was the robot that was missing his memory... Because the Ben gun from the book and the original movie, like, literally has gone nuts. So I yeah. like the fact that they, like, pulled his memory, and then when they got it back, then he was restored. I think that could have, I think it could have worked, they just, he could have, they could have toned him down. He didn't fit with the tone. Oh, they, they totally could have toned him down. Mm. But he think, didn't bother me like some of the other sidekicks have in these movies. Yeah, that's fair. He wasn't like the gargoyles. That, like, <laughs> yeah, little, like, the gargoyles are the worst to me. Yeah. But, worse because of the contrast like really and like yeah. mushu is bad but he's not as bad i i don't know he he and ben are kind of like on the same level to me no ben actually did stuff in the plot mushu is worthless so yeah mushu is worse was the causer of conflict so is that Boo, like best comedy sidekick because he just can't talk probably and he turned yeah. into an elephant yeah but i mean we had a literal shapeshifter in this and i wasn't he was okay the like, shapeshifter didn't really feel like he added anything. No. no. It was a means for Jim to, like, become friends with Silver through this creature, but, like, they bonded fine without it, so I don't know yeah. why it was... Well, it was, I... it was to place a parrot, let's be honest, because the original character had a parrot. He was yeah. literally a parrot. I did like that the, it's because of him that Jim woke up early and heard the mutiny plans. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was good. <laughs> They could have just had, like, a space parrot. Like, it could have been a parrot with, like, robot wings. Yes. That would have been cool. That, yeah. Robot parrot. <laughs> do they... All do they do, is he responsible for um, parodies using action figures? What? Robot parrot. Robot chicken. Uh... <sighs> Had to explain the joke. It yeah, but it was. wasn't... Okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, now... We will now have five minutes of awkward silence in response to Eric's joke that will not be edited. 
Well, actually, edit that in. Edit five minutes of silence because I can't wait. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally gonna happen. Oh, whatever. <laughs> oh, it was fine. Do you have yeah. any other negatives? Um, I sort of a negative, but with a caveat. They do not hide the fact that Long John Silver and the crew are bad guys, but let's be honest, everyone knows that Long John Silver and the pirates are the bad guys. Like, there's no hiding that, so it's like on the they, one hand... they ha- reveal it right before they kill the second mate? No, they reveal it Is early it on, because there's, okay. like, there's the scene where Jim almost gets into a fight with the uh, crab guy, and then immediately after that, Long John goes down and starts berating them and telling them, look, right. we got hired as in here, so don't blow it until it's time for the mutiny. Right, Jim doesn't find out until after. But yeah. The viewer saw Long John coming to burn down the inn at the beginning. Well, I didn't. I didn't realize it was the same guy. You don't really, oh. see, yeah, you don't really see him well enough to know it. And, well, I did. I mean, if we were yeah, to say, I was thinking seven hundred times. Yeah, but yeah. I saw it the first time. I knew who it was. Well, yeah, that's like freaking, freaking fifteen years ago. Yeah, I, I'm old. Shut up. <laughs> I think the thing is, is if someone, if there were a hypothetical person that had no idea what Treasure Island is, and they saw that, and they saw. It's that early on that the that the uh, crewmen were bad guys, then I'd consider that a weakness to the movie. But at the same time, it's also like pretty much everyone that sees this movie knows about Treasure Island. So Captain Amelia says, "This crew you hired are a bunch of freaking bad guys." Like freaking yeah. two seconds after they get on the ship. <laughs> yeah, so I'd say that's yeah. I mean, there's I guess why bother trying to trick us if we already know. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's pretty clear in the the Treasure Island to the yeah. viewers, pirates. Haven't, yeah, haven't read the book, but I would believe that. Well, you should maybe read it. Uh, what? <laughs> it was really actually no, it was, it was okay. It wasn't as boring as Atlantis, yeah. which was, made me want to die. I mean, I can see why it didn't have a good reception and why it wasn't as big as a hit as they'd hoped. But it's if it had come out not... mm-hmm. three years before, I think it would have been more well received. If it had have come out before Atlantis: The Lost Empire, then yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would if say. they had another editor like polish it so it was like you know more in line to like Lion King or Aladdin, then yeah, I think it would have been one of their best. But, yeah, because yeah. they, they set themselves up with some really interesting concepts. I mean, we've discussed Jim's um, Wanderlust and his um, abandonment issues. They just needed to pay them off a little better. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, because I mean, we already saw they can do that with Lilo and Stitch. They get really emotional with the, uh, you know, with the conflict between the two sisters. And with... This it yeah, but Ron Clements didn't make that. Yeah. Is that why Ron Clements is a hack? <laughs> well, I don't know. Did you like Little Mermaid, Hercules, Aladdin, and this one? Because that's what they made, right? Did he make Aladdin? He and John Musker? Did he make Lion King? No, that was Don Hahn, I think, was the producer on that one. Mm-hmm. Hold up. Okay, so he made Great Mouse, Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules. And then they're going to make uh, Princess, Princess and the Frog. Frog and yeah. Mona. Moana, sorry. I mean... He's, so he's, he's kind of a hack? 
Well, more like well, he's, he has a partner too. Moana is literally the same story as Pocahontas, just done right. So that one doesn't. That one's just a ripoff. So that one doesn't count. <laughs> Without the white man, Hercules has giant problems with its main character. Little Mermaid has giant problems with its main character. Great Mouse Detective doesn't count because it's literally the same character arc of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. So he is a hack. He wrote, he wrote Aladdin, and that was about it. That mm-hmm. I haven't seen Princess and the Frog. So yeah, I'm know. interested in what you think about that. We'll get to that later. Yeah. But. Yeah. So he's a hack. Derek, what do you think about Ron Clements, Clements being a hack? Is he a hack? I wouldn't say that, no, because he makes good movies. He just may not be as, that good at doing the character arc for his main character. And John Musker, who's his writing buddy. Yeah, neither of them are good at that. Yeah, they are. They have little cameos in every single one of the films. I think that that's the cutest thing. Yeah. That is the cutest thing. Yeah. Well, it's... they like ruined the Little Mermaid, so that's a big negative from like the original story. Mm. Like the point, the original story, they just completely missed it. Yeah. Well. So what happened with Aladdin? How did they get that one so good? Did someone else also write Aladdin? I'm gonna look. Maybe there's a third secret writer. Probably because Robin Williams. <laughs> just ad libbed. This movie has four credited screenwriters. Screen is it really? Aladdin does. Yeah. Ted Elliott. Let's see what they did. And Terry Rossio. We're getting on a tangent. Yeah, Terry like... Rossio wrote the Pirates movies. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the, he's not the one that did it. I guess he did write the Road to El Dorado. But oh. he wrote, like, the Godzilla 1998 version. Oh, um, sometimes you wonder if it's just a fluke that we ever get movies that are good. Because no, the people that are... still makes movies. <laughs> well, okay, there are clear people that have actually been successful on every one of their movies, Tarantino but there's not makes... many. Well, compared to the amount of trash that's released, yeah, but I'd say there's a lot of filmmakers that still make quality. Uh, like, and I mean, even the Christopher ones... Nolan, and yeah, is is right. Like, and uh, Steven Spielberg is all right. You know, they kind of aged out of being interesting. But... Yeah, it's yeah. I don't. I'd really like to know. How much of the fault on these failures and successes of these directors that have an equal amount of hit and misses are their fault? And how much is, of it is interference and how much of the good stuff is from interference and everything? Because it mm-hmm. kind of feels like if, it was, if the directors were absolute geniuses, generally they do more good than bad. I know I said Treasure Plant felt like it needed an editor, but it does feel like a like a studio made a lot of this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I mean, considering its production time, I'm like 100. percent That's probably what it, happened. That's right? exactly what happened. Yeah, so. it's. I mean, they're in crisis mode from now until they close the studio, which is going to be just two years later. Well, all right, Treasure Plant's a movie we all saw it. Yep. <laughs> Final thoughts. Derek, I think it's still fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not asking Derek, you. I'm asking Derek. Yeah, I. Go ahead, Derek. This is a movie that I feel like I should like more. It has its flaws, but I've forgiven flaws of other movies in the past. Just look at the... Oliver and Company? Yeah, look at the top three of our our list. There's like one sandwiched in there. (laughs) But it has its flaws, but I still put it at number two. But still, it's like... I don't know. I'd say I'd still blame not having watched it as much on the fact that, one, I don't own it, and two, it came out at a time when I wasn't re-watching movies as often. I don't care how much you watched it. What do you think about it now? <laughs> I think that I probably should, wa- should watch it more. <laughs> now, I... How the fuck thought of that? 
It's the kind saying that I like the movie. You're on. This isn't Derek's. How many times should Derek watch a movie podcast? This is Quest for the Best: Colon Disney Edition: Colon Cancer. So, freaking figure it out. (laughs) I like this movie, but yeah, it's not near. It's not nowhere near my favorite. I kind of feel like I wish I liked it more than I do. So, how many stars? Three. Are you kidding me? That being said, it is significantly (laughs) better than Oliver and Company. Can we strike that one from the record, please? No. It's fine, Derek. Would you give Snow Dogs three stars since we're doing all of our memes in one episode? No, absolutely not. How many stars would you give it? Four? Oh, geez, I haven't watched it in years. Seven? Seven out of five. James, how much do you want to marry Jim? Zero percent. All right, well, that's what's shot. What's your rating for this movie? What do you think about it, beyond what you've said? I think it's really fun. I think people should give it a chance. I understand if they don't like it, though. Ugh, I'm in between a three and a four for this, but I just I just feel like I can't give it a three because, you know, the other unnamed film got a three from someone. Disregard that. All right, I, I'll give it a four. I think nostalgia makes me like it better than it is. I thought it was fine. It's better than Atlantis, but if I look at the pantheon of Disney films and the fact that we're limited to a five-star structure, I don't feel like I can give it the same three I gave like Mulan and Tarzan and Hercules, so I have to give it a two. It's fine. It's fine. If if you're stuck in a room with a child and you have to watch it, there are definitely worse movies like Minions that you could be stuck watching. The fart. We didn't even talk about about the fart alien. What a hilarious joke that was. (laughs) (laughs) As farts. Oh, the lols that were had, maximum. Do you think that was studio interference? Or that was that was probably his first draft. That was probably his first idea. It's like I'm gonna write Treasure Planet. It's gonna be Treasure Island. It's gonna be a fart alien. And Ron Clements, and Musker. It's like yeah, Clements. That's that's it. It's gold. You got it now. <laughs> they wrote that down first, and then they survived 742 drafts before they finally made it. And that scene was the culmination of his artistic, creative. Like career with that part. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's it. That's the good stuff right there. Oh my gosh. I feel like we need to stage an intervention on this podcast. Yep, it's not us for once that needs it. What? What are you talking about? I'm just giving my opinion. All right, so I'm making up fake news. <laughs> Does somebody want to Thank say they would throw this film? Yeah. God, on this list. Oh, jeez. i put it at 12. <laughs> mm-hmm. at it, at Above it. Little Mermaid and Below Rescuers. I liked it better than Little Mermaid. What I, I think I gave Little Mermaid a 2 as well, so that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd put it above Rescuers Down Under, but that's because I just... That one didn't really do anything for me, but I, I think it's the right area. Put it, James. Just without any context of what I just said on this list, if it were your list, where would you put it? Under... Above Rescuers Down Under, Under Hercules. So you're still fine, even though it's like your favorite movie ever, if it's at 11. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's not my favorite movie ever. I think it's really fun, but I think it has a lot of flaws. All right, Derek, kind of make the wrong choice and put it above Rescuers Down Under like you did with Beauty and the Beast. No, you don't have to make the wrong choice. <laughs> no, I would I definitely like it more than Atlantis. Do I like it more than The Little Mermaid? That's a good question, actually. Because it's like, you know, I mean, I know we put Little Mermaid way, way down there, but I kind of think Little Mermaid is better. 
The well, thing with The Little Mermaid is we're bummed because we hate Ariel, but like that movie has so much good artistic stuff going on yeah. for it. Despite Clements being a hack writer, <laughs> like yeah, is that it's got real good songs. Like it's got a real good. It's like I mean the opening to that movie. It's like you just watch it and the the chorus starts and it just hits you. It's like they're doing anyway, good I things. I forgot to mention something I was thinking of. Lilo what? and Stitch has the exact same intro as Little Mermaid ish where. Lilo is late for a performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Except like Lilo. That was the point. That was all I was going to say. And okay. Anyway, I just I had to you know, I forgot and I yeah. wanted it to be on the podcast. Yeah. Honestly, I'm going to say I'm going to put um, Treasure Planet at 13 because despite as much as we don't like Ariel's character, I still think that overall it's a better movie with Ooh, everything I'm else than I vehemently um... disagree with you on that one. Hmm. Yeah, I say Treasure Planet thirteen, and you and James wanted it at eleven. Mm-hmm. And you wanted it twelve. <laughs> what do we do? I think I think it's going at twelve, but I think I actually agree with Derek more that he said that it's like I don't know. It's really hard to compete with a film that has only one terrible pop song with a film that has like really good songs, even if the rest of the film plot wise is terrible. Mm-hmm. This is where it's hard objectively to rank this stuff. This is hard. If we put it, and I like it as an action, like excitement film, more than Rescues Down Under, because Bernard has a character arc. Unlike, mm-hmm. but I could live with it being above if we had to, or below. Mm. I'm, I'm impartial, not that attached to Rescues Down. Well, I kind of am because it was like yeah, the you film. are. Yep. But yeah, I'm. I don't care. So yeah. I'm honestly sucks. Where did yeah. put Atlantis? spot so who freaking cares (laughs) yeah honestly i'm sticking by my opinion that it should be number 13 but since we're the uh, the literal average of that is number 12 12. yeah so we this is how so no one's happy but math prevails is basically what we're going for here i don't know isn't 12 where you wanted to put it in the first place no i think i like i think i well yeah it is i like (laughs) yeah so you're happy james do you have a really hard feeling, harsh feelings about it going above or below rescues down under? No. Okay, just making sure. I, we there can't... will be one that I will have harsh feelings about later, but you want brother bear? and we'll get ready for it. You want Chicken Little at number four? What? I don't know. What other good Disney movies left? I thought we were done. No, it's not a good one. It's one that Derek likes. Oh, is it Frozen? I can't say. Don't worry, me and you probably agree. Cause I, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's well, episode fight. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, what about well, Tangled? I thought you liked that one. I do like. Oh, Tangled. I love Tangled. That it's one's better movie than there. Frozen. Derek, we're talking about the fight that's coming up. Yeah. Mm. Which is Frozen, starring Olaf, the best character ever made by Disney. I hate Olaf so much, but let's not talk about that He's right now. He's better than the gargoyles. <laughs> I don't know. He also to... doesn't have any plot point, mm. so he's kind of like the shoe of that movie. His his existence makes sense in the context of the movie. The gargoyles, it does not. The gargoyles make sense if you view them as his hallucinations because he's lonely. Yeah. yeah, and then the movie craps all over that theory. But yeah, I thought you were the one that liked Hunchback. I do, but I which makes this podcast me just... is changing people. <laughs> it makes we've literally both. broken everyone on this podcast. Thank yeah. you so much for listening to the mental health issues of Nathan, James, and Derek. Mental health issues. So let's let's recap the list real fast. 
which eventually we're going to have to stop doing because it's way the frick too long. Yeah. So we have 16 objects on this list. One is Aladdin. Two is Beauty and the Beast. Three is Lion King. Four is Hunchback. Five is Mulan. Six is Emperor's New Groove. Seven is Lilo and Stitch. Eight is The Great Mouse Detective. Nine is Tarzan. Ten is Hercules. Eleven is Rescuers Down Under. Twelve is Treasure Planet. Thirteen is The Little Mermaid. Fourteen is Atlantis, The Lost Umpire. Fifteen is Oliver and Company. And sixteen is Pocahontas, which <laughs> seems really harsh having Treasure Planet above Pocahontas. We are going as a- to get lynched. <laughs> I would like to point to the crowd. I was going to put Atlantis below Pocahontas. That was not my plan. So <laughs> I was going to put Oliver and Company below Pocahontas, so also not my plan. Yeah, wait. How did Pocahontas end up down there? <laughs> you! I'm probably. Pretty, I'm pretty certain that was not me. It was you. You voted with Nathan. I wanted it above Oliver and Company. Hmm. No, it definitely should be below Oliver and Company, but Atlantis should be beneath it. No. Just couldn't get over the fact that Atlantis was going beneath Oliver and Company. Yeah, Oliver you have this irrational hatred for Oliver and Company. Shout out to my friends that actually like Oliver and Company. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, not according to this list. Well, now you don't have any friends <laughs> that like Oliver and Company. Um, yeah, that's... that's been this week's episode. I'm sorry you had to experience it. Um, the moral of the story is watch Lilo and Stitch. It's good. I'm Nathan at the useless god on Twitter. Feel free to freaking tell me whether me saying they were Aborigines or Eskimos or Native people was somehow racist. I don't. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm trying my best, Derek. <laughs> I'm Derek. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Burning Lizard. Uh, Derek, I just said it, Derek. <laughs> what? Jeez. Yes. James. I'm also James, and you can find me at Twitter at BingeWatchFan, where you can tell me how wrong I am about Oliver and Company, and I will mute you. No, that's not, what? No? <laughs> oh, no. No, I'll respond graciously. Yeah, you better. People are allowed to have different opinions. This is America. Yeah. Wrong. I've only ever muted one person because they sent spoilers on a movie I was about to go see. Was it Suicide Squad? No, think <laughs> earlier. Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. Literally told me that, spoilers, Superman died at the end. Oh, good. Now everyone's got to block you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so far, the only Twitter thing that's happening is we're talking to each other, which is sad and pathetic. So <laughs> <laughs> well, it might change when Derek posts these in 2058. I really don't think it's going to because no one wants to talk to us. <laughs> but you can if you want. Send me more Disney quizzes to take so I want to be dead. And on that note, we wanting to be dead. Tune in next week where Nathan really is going to want to be dead when we're watching Brother Bear and Home on the Range because there is no God. We'll see you then. Goodbye. The voice is the best. Podcast about children's films in the basement. (laughs) Wait, are you at your parents' house? Opening and ending music by at Ben Sound. Podcast cover art by Nathan Rackley at Drawakir on Twitter.